Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Written around 2,100 years ago, these words from the book of Amos are still as powerful today as they were then. And Amos was not a prophet by trade. In his own words, he was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore trees. But he was also a man who experienced the touch of God's hand upon him and in response was willing to speak out with courage against the injustices of his day. He could see the direction that Israel was heading in. He saw the wealthy merchants trampling over the poor and defenseless. He saw public leaders living in luxury and unconcerned over the plight of their people. Their religious ceremonies were meaningless, born of hearts that were trying to appease God rather than please God. You see, in their newfound prosperity, they had forgotten their past, forgotten how God had brought them out of Egypt, guided them in the wilderness, and led them to the promised land. But Amos reminded them that they were called to be God's chosen people, that they were meant to be called to a greater responsibility, not special privilege. Amos' main pur purpose as a prophet was to call those people back to God and urge their repentance and restoration as God's people so that on the day when Israel was crowned with glory and honor, it would be a day of light and not a day of darkness or a day of God's wrath, as Amos had predicted would happen if they continued on that current path. God was not interested in their empty rituals and offerings. The only offering God sought was the offering of themselves. Only then would justice and righteousness truly rain down upon them. And it was with this real sense of urgency that Amos called his people to change. Tomorrow, he said, might be too late. As we approach the end of the Pentecost season, our readings on Sunday mornings have taken a drastic turn. For many weeks now, we focused on discipleship and learning from Jesus' teaching to his disciples on how we can pattern our lives on their example. But now the emphasis has shifted to the end time, that day when Christ will return to judge the living and the dead. It's not something we usually like to think about, or honestly like to talk about much in the Episcopal Church. I mean, there are many things in our lives that fall into the same category, things we'd rather put off until tomorrow, or even forever. Things like giving up smoking, or going on a diet, maybe going to the doctor for a long overdue checkup, or making out a will. After all, we're very busy people, aren't we? And so we'll write that letter to our good friend next week, or we'll call our sick aunt tomorrow when we have more time. Someday we'll remember to say, I love you to our family as we fly out the door to another meeting. 
Lord, to thank God for the many ways God graces our lives as we move through each and every day. Like the Israelites, we might actually get away with this for a time. But what these readings have to teach us, and what honestly we already know from our personal experience, is that there is not always that next time going to be available to us. And tomorrow may indeed be too late. Our gospel reading this morning brings us a similar message. In the words from St. Matthew, we encounter ten bridesmaids, all dressed and ready with their lamps to accompany that grand bridal procession. In those days, the groom went to the bride's house first, and then after some time, the procession accompanied the couple to the groom's house, where the wedding actually took place. Now, to anyone who's been involved with a wedding before, it probably doesn't come as a surprise that there was a little bit of delay at the bride's house. And so these 10 bridesmaids get tired from waiting, and they all fall asleep. But when that call finally comes for the procession to begin, they all quickly assemble, and they find that their lamps are low. The others wouldn't give them any of theirs because they said, go buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone, those five foolish bridesmaids, the bridegroom showed up and the procession went off. And they all went inside his house for the big celebration and the door was closed shut. When those bridesmaids finally made it to the celebration, they were turned away with the words, I tell you the truth, I do not know you. These words sound pretty harsh to our ears. And yet we know from living out our own lives that there is no opportunity that lasts forever. How many times have we heard it said of someone who has just been awarded a wonderful new job that they were in the right place at the right time? Sometimes in our quickness, we forget to remember that this person probably spent a lot of time preparing their resume, checking on job openings, making themselves available when the time was right. Even if they were sleeping when that call came in, their lamps were filled and they were ready to go. So it must be with each of us. The message of this parable is that whenever Christ calls, we must be ready. Just as happened to those five bridesmaids, there will be no time to run to the nearest gas station or grocery store, or even here to church to find the oil that has been lacking in our spiritual lives. We can't go borrow it from a neighbor's house because it has to come from within ourselves. It has only to do with each one of us and our own relationship with God. In the Jewish tradition, oil has long been a symbol of faith that resulted in good deeds all in preparation for the return of the Lord. The same is true for each of us. We're not meant to sit idly by or to be found sleeping, but to live out that gospel message in our daily lives, each day, every day, in the hope of the glory that will be revealed to us. In other words, we have to be ready. 
as we move quickly towards the close of another church year, we need to reconsider the kinds of choices we make in our lives that might drain us from this oil and leave us unprepared to meet Christ. Do the choices we make leave us too busy to give God the time God deserves? Do these things take precedence over our spiritual lives? Is there some group or ministry in our church you've thought about joining but just never got around to it? Is there someone in your family you need to make peace with? Or perhaps an elderly neighbor who would be cheered by a phone call or a home-cooked meal? All these things we know deep down that we should do, that we don't do, or that we simply put off doing, can drain our oil so that we're not only unprepared to do God's work and God's will, but we also lose that joy that comes from being in a right relationship with God. Jesus' challenge to us is that we demonstrate by the way we live that we are part of his celebration in every moment of our lives and that we're ready to join that heavenly banquet right now. Of course, there are things in this life that we have to do and things that we want to do. And that's okay. As part of God's creation, we are called to go on loving all that is part of life and have fun doing it. But at the same time, to always keep in mind where we are going and what our final destination will be. And this will affect how we live each moment of our journey with Christ. When we focus our lives on doing those things that Jesus calls us to do right now, we will actually see miracles happen in our own time. Justice will indeed roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream.